Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. A new historical fiction novel takes us back in time in Athenian life to the birth of democracy and the golden age of Athens. I recently talked with author and educator Yvonne Korshank about her first novel, Pericles and Aspasia. I'm an art historian, and I've written a lot about art and art history, but this is the first fiction. With all of your background and experience in 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 terms of of of, of the history of, of of Greece and kind of as the the birth of, I guess you might say, democracy uh, to some yeah. degree, so this this time period I think obviously has been of interest, to, uh, you know, in in terms of um, of the history of this particular period of of time. What is it that that prompted you to kind of tell this particular story? Well, part of it you've already touched on the birth of democracy. Uh, You've got two characters, Pericles and Aspasia, who both have had a powerful influence on the rest of time and on our world. I mean the rest of time from the time they lived, and we're still living out their ideas. And, of course, Pericles, he was the great visionary of democracy. Not only visionary, I mean, he was a visionary. It was a new thing on Earth. But he created in Athens the first great democracy. And we're still living the ideals and ideas that he brought to being way back then. So the character of Pericles is is thrilling. Aspasia is a woman way ahead of her time in a period in which women lived really in... Uh, very narrow lives, uh, utterly under the thumbs of their husbands. Most of them were not even educated. She went against the stereotypes and lived a free and liberated life, and in fact had an influence on even some of the great philosophers, such as Socrates and Plato. So you have these two extremely influential characters, but how remarkable that they fell in love. So it's a, it's a love, my novel, Pericles and Aspasia, is a love story. But a love story among two characters who, well, the, world, the word unique gets used a little too often sometimes, mm-hmm. but these are really quite remarkable characters in a brilliant period. How do you walk the line between uh, history and, and, and creative uh, license for good storytelling when you're when you're writing a story like this. Yeah, that's such a good question, and the answer is, as far as anything historical, I am absolutely faithful to the history. I know that there are different. Some historical novelists feel a little more comfortable taking liberties to compress, you know, for the purpose of the story. I'm very faithful. Now, sometimes historical issues are controversial, in which case I've, you know, looked at it and come up with my best view. So anything in my novel, historical, like did the Athenians really fight a great battle at the island of Samos? Um, Did Pericles uh, really institute uh, pay for... um, jurists for for juries and trials so that a poor man could could afford to serve yes anything historical in the novel is true but where the characters are concerned 
their inner lives, their motives, their aspirations, their goals, their yearnings, their loves. Here, within the evidence, always within the evidence, I let my imagination have free reign. And it, it's it's quite a relationship that that they have, and and maybe not as far removed from from contemporary life as as some might think. Well, it's it's that's true in this in a couple of ways of thinking about that. It's not as far as removed from contemporary life as one might think, because Aspasia was really on a par with Pericles. She was his equal. She was his true partner, and whereas that was extremely rare, if simply unknown in ancient Greece when they lived. Today, it would, it would be more familiar. But the other point I'd make is this. People of long ago and far away are us. You know, it's human nature, the nuclear family, these things that, we, that, that are in the forefront of our lives today, that's that was true, and the fact that it's far removed in time doesn't alter that a bit. These are living, breathing human beings with fears and triumphs and confidence and uneasiness and anxieties and victories that we, any of us, would have today. I find it, I really always find it interesting when, for, 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 for books that are, are from this particular period of time, because I, I remember in my high school literature class, and I drove my professor, or my teacher for that class, Dr. Green, absolutely crazy, because trying to wrap my brain around this, it, is it, do we make understanding this type of history and Greek history more difficult than maybe what it should be? Do we, is there a, is there a disconnect sometimes maybe because we just don't understand or haven't been exposed to the classics as, as much as we should? Yeah, I think that's true. I think I think that they're, they're kind of set up high on the shelf when they should be right at arm's reach. They're given a little bit too much of, of, a, of a distance in our lives, and they're so immediate. I mean, they're more immediate. Lives of of these of these individuals are more immediate of classical of the classical world, even than some of the periods in between where things since then in between that time and ours, where things got really a little different from how we how we live today. But but this is a world open to all of us. There's no no great barrier. The only barrier is that people somehow separate it and as I say, put it on a high shelf. But I say bring it down, put it at arm's reach, open your eyes to it, enter that wonderful world and you have a great adventure and enlargement of the spirit ahead. It, you you immerse us uh, so much in, in Athenian life in, in in this story, and I and my understanding is that, that you've explored every nook and cranny of of the location and 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 the hit and the, uh, the the place that is so much a part of the story. I I have I've traveled to see where it all happened. Now, of course, where it what it where it all happened today isn't in the same condition as it was uh, back in antiquity. Uh, the Parthenon Temple, one of the greatest buildings and, and really an absolute central image of our of our culture and our democracy, the, the Parthenon was whole and alive. It's built. It's actually under construction and, and is created in the course of my novel. Well, if you go there today, you see you see broken 
you know, some broken columns. You see it's not complete. It hasn't, the ravages of time have had their effect, time and time and mis, misadventure. But still, by going there, by sailing the Aegean Sea, which is the great sea between East Greece and West Greece, by walking through the fields, by visiting the great monuments, even if they may be today partly in ruins, I was able to soak up a sense of the reality of it. See, I had to make it real because I had to do that for myself. I had to believe I was really in ancient Greece because I wanted my readers to feel, yes, sometimes we travel, you know, here, sometimes we travel here. In this book, I get to travel to ancient Greece. But if it wasn't accurate, if it wasn't believable, if it had, you know, phony stuff, it's like it wouldn't be real. It wouldn't be there for you. So to make it real for myself, quite frankly, for myself, I wanted to live there. And for my readers, that's why I I traveled, to make sure I knew what the feel and the smell and the taste and the atmosphere of these places really was. I always find it interesting to, to ask authors about their writing process. Did you did you know where you were going with this story, or did the story and and the story of 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 these two help drive where it ended up? Well, I I I knew that Pericles and Aspasia fell in love. This this is historical, mm-hmm. and I knew that Pericles, also historical, who was an aristocrat and who cared a great deal about his reputation, probably a little uptight about it. He depended on his reputation for his influence among the Athenians as a leader. I knew that he had risked his reputation to make to love this woman who was uh, what the Greeks called a tyra. A tyra is, is something like a courtesan or a, a geisha, a, a woman who pleased men, not only physically but intellectually, a woman who could stimulate a man's thoughts, who could be a friend. The word actually means companion, at Tyra's companion. Mm -hmm. So I knew that Pericles had given up his legitimate Athenian wife in order to love Aspasia at great risk to everything else he held dear, his family, and his and his power in Athens, and I knew that they had lived together happily until his death, which is beyond my novel. That's in my sequel, and um, I knew also other things about about their relationship. So um, in that sense, I knew where I was going, but I let the characters take over. I did, you know, the characters came into my house where I live. They sit down at dinner with my husband and myself. They're at the table. They live here. They don't ask for much. They don't eat a lot. But they're always with me. And in that sense, they guide me in the development of the novel and its and its romance. Is there a particular character in this book that is that you really identify with, that is maybe more you or that you, you channel uh, in, in, this, in, in the writing? 
Yeah, aspasia. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not aspasia. My personality is not the same as hers. I know the differences. But, yes, I drew upon my experiences and my feelings in developing aspasia. But, you know, that's true of Pericles, too. He's a man, but I could enter into his spirit. I could identify with him. So the biggest answer to your question, the most honest one is, yeah, I identify with my female character. Uh, and she she certainly has obstacles that I never had to face, but I've had these obstacles. And I've had to figure out how to get past them. And I've, you know, had relationships, including with my husband. And I've had to figure out how to negotiate that. Mm-hmm. So all those experiences, yeah, they're in there with Aspasia. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I never, I never jumped from a pirate ship <laughs> to escape pirates. I never, I got to Athens by airplane. I didn't swim to Athens, nor did I arrive naked on Athenian shores. I got there the usual way. Uh, yes, that was a, that was an interesting opening chapter of the book. Aspasius <laughs> <laughs> is incredibly um, strong uh, woman and, and female character. How how common was that of the time? Well, you know, who knows? The mm-hmm. women were so under the thumbs of the male of their male relatives. Uh, they, they, there really was not very much opportunity for them to, you know, express themselves or even live what we might call full lives. They stayed home a lot, and their 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 big excitement, which was important, was would be at religious festivals. There were religious festivals where the women could come out and participate, and uh, you know, have a greater sense of being in the world. But um, she's pretty near to unique. Now, the women were particular. This is an irony. Here is Athens, the world's first great democracy. And it is. You know, that's not an exaggeration. And yet, in Athens, of course, there were great ironies. They, they, the Athenians had slaves. And the women were very uh, repressed, suppressed. I might mention that slavery was not an issue of race. Most often, it was an, um, the slaves were people who had been captured. The Greeks, not only the Athenians, all the Greeks of antiquity were forever fighting, and slaves were captives generally. So they didn't have the racial issue, but they did have an issue of, of an underclass of slaves. But uh, whereas Athens was a democracy, the women were relatively um, suppressed. Other parts of Greece, the women had a little more play. So I would mention, for example, the poet Sappho, Hmm. who came from East Greece, as Aspasia did, and who wrote marvelous, we call them poems, they were songs. Sappho wrote songs. We don't have the music, so we read them as as poetry. But Sappho, certainly from all indications, had a a freer life and certainly became very influential through her poetry. So there's an exception to the rule. But it was a pretty hard rule. Very few women escaped into, you might say, the bright sun of a rich and engaged life. You alluded earlier that um, this book is is part of a series. I think it's a trilogy, if I've 
Red... No, two, two. Oh, one just more. two. One more. Okay. Two. Yeah. Well, so what? What's next? That you? Oh, uh, well. To what extent um, you want to talk about it? What's coming up next? I, I, <laughs> I don't want to discourage your listeners, but I will tell you this: Aspe- for Pericles and Aspasia is a ultimately a very joyous book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's an old saying that that um, that comedy ends in marriage and tragedy ends in death. Love and death, right? Mm-hmm. Goes takes us right back. That's where Woody Allen was coming from in Love and Death. So, um even though terrible things happen, bad things happen in Pericles and Aspasia, it is fundamentally a joyous book. My sequel, The Sword of the War God, spins out the tragedy, the underlying tragedy. So that book is is not quite finished. It's almost finished. It'll be out, but I I it would have to have a warning. You might shed a few tears over this one. Mm. Well, I don't think you'll shed any tears in Pericles and Aspasia. I think my readers will laugh. They will chuckle. They will recognize the ironies and. Well, I I shouldn't put in the future. This is what I'm being told now. It's 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 tremendously enjoyable to read. It's, it's accessible, mm-hmm. but it's got historical insight. It's a weighty book, but mm-hmm. with a joyful um, ambiance. That's author and educator Yvonne Korshak. Her new novel is Pericles and Aspasia. For this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams.